Hey there, Jason Padolin back at you with another bonus episode here of the Up My Hockey podcast as we reflect on the first 100 episodes of the Up My Hockey podcast. And today we're going to be looking at episodes 41 to 50. And uh, can't wait to do it uh, because that is an exciting group there that we're going to be talking about. Uh, But first I just want to chat about a little bit about playoff time. It's playoff time in uh, most of North America here, whether you're playing on the West Coast or the East Coast or whether you're in U.S. or in Canada. And uh, in many programs, the playoffs are quickly followed up by tryouts. So interesting times of year for players. Uh, I know that I have seen uh, what happens in these situations uh, as far as coaching uh, youth athletes, meaning it brings out the best and it also can bring out the worst in players, uh, which is such a interesting uh, time to, to be around, uh, to be around the personalities involved with the game. Uh, I remember one year we had a AAA, well, I mean, it's called Adam A up here in, uh, in British Columbia, uh, which is the top minor hockey system uh, that you can play or the top system you can pl- play. Or, <laughs> I don't know why I'm having a hard time saying this. The top level you can play at the U11 level. So the top level you can play at the U11 level is called Adam A. And uh, we were in a playoff. Uh, we were one of the best teams. I can't remember where we finished in the league. I think we might have finished second. Uh, but we ended up getting to the final of this playoff game. So we were up for the uh, Okanagan Mainline banner. And uh, U11s were dealing with 9 and 10-year-olds at the time. I probably had a few 11-year-olds on the team. And um, it went into overtime. The game went into overtime, this final game. And then it went, uh, which was 3-on-3. Three three. And then we had another 3-on-3. Three three. And then we had another overtime. And it was just crazy. I think we went to four overtimes. Uh, and we ended up losing, I think, in the fourth or fifth overtime. Uh, I don't remember all the things that happened. But what I do remember and why this story is relevant is that I had three to four kids on the bench that physically could not play they were so nervous that they had knots in their stomach that they you know felt like they're physically going to be sick uh there was kids that were just petrified and didn't want to play and um it was a super interesting time and obviously there's other kids that are just couldn't want to get back on the ice quick enough you know that they they wanted to get back out there and um first of all i will say i mean at this at this 10 11 year old level like it made me pause for reflection and, and be like, wow, like, am I not doing a very good job with these kids? Like, have I made this this event be be bigger than it needs to be for them? Or is there somehow pressure from me as a coach? Or have I somehow not, you know, given them or or, or talked to them about, you know, the tools required to do this? And, and mind you, this was... This was a bit before the my hockey um, mindset program and me doing the the, uh, the mental performance development. I think it was a cog in the wheel that really helped me uh, step forward and, and understand that players need this. Uh, but yeah, I had like four, three or four to five kids on the bench. One of them was my son too, right? Like Hudson was somebody who was just petrified to go on the ice, and um, and yeah, and so like like I said, the, the, these op- these scenarios, these opportunities, as I call them, are can bring out either the best in you or potentially the worst in you and can really expose some of the belief systems that you have um, through like the mental fitness that you've developed or the mental conditioning you develop or the mindset you've developed, whatever words you want to put to that. But generally speaking, a kid that is scared to lose 
or scared to make a mistake is not going to be very effective as opposed to the player who wants to impact the game and is excited about the opportunity to score the winning goal, not overly worried about being the player that is going to cause the mistake to lose the game. So I asked that question uh, just 10 minutes ago on my Facebook group. Is your player somebody who, in these scenarios of either a big playoff game or in a tryout, are they somebody that is excited and plays to make an impact? Or B, are they somebody that is nervous and plays not to make a mistake? Or C, are they somebody that you never know what you're going to get? I said like, like a box of chocolates, Forrest Gump style. You, you, just, you just never know what you're going to get. Sometimes they're on, sometimes they're off. And if the answer for your athlete is anything other than A, um, so B, sometimes they're nervous, they play not to make a mistake, they're, they're fearful of being the one that, that, uh, that causes the, the, the issue of the goal against, you know, doesn't want to make an error and expose themselves, or somebody that just doesn't really, you don't really know, like sometimes they're great in these situations and sometimes they disappear. Um, if it's B or C, like these can totally be helped, like, totally be helped. Uh, I've seen it. I've experienced it. I've worked with many players uh, to help them overcome this. And oftentimes, like I said, it's just a belief system that they've told themselves about what these situations mean. And when we can rewire what these situations mean and allow them to tell a different story about them, uh, that it's an opportunity, it's a chance to make an impact, it's a chance to challenge yourself and see where you stand, and it's a chance that you can learn and grow and get better. And, and there's, uh, there's little tools and tips and strategies that I, can, that I use to help these players connect the dots. All of a sudden, they show up differently in these moments. Um, and if it's one of the players that is a little bit inconsistent, well, then we have to figure out and get them to figure out and self-assess why it works sometimes and why it doesn't other times. So we get into their own personal operating system a little more um, deeply so they can understand what they are and who they are and what works for them to get them ready for these for these moments. Uh, because we've all seen it, right? The player that has all the tools and just freezes up at tryouts and kind of disappears, uh, doesn't stand out. Or the player that in the big game is somebody that maybe, like I said, on my Adam A team that wants to be on the bench and, and, and refuses to go out in the ice, essentially. Uh, these the Those those break my heart, right? Those situations. Uh, that had a big impact on me, that one game. And uh, we, we played fantastic and we had a fantastic year but like those players like I said including my son like really impacted me for what I do now like to see to see the physiological shifts in these kids caused by psychological like anguish right and uh and I mean to to the point like Hudson is somebody that you know, although he's not there 100% yet but like he is somebody that is like he's going for his first playoff game today and he is so excited right now he is so ready to go he so wants to to be the difference maker and and so these you know these things can evolve and these things can change with the proper programming and teaching and support um so anyways i, I just think that's a really these these moments right these moments when players can get it done can get it done and the players who can't get it done um i think it's important to recognize that this is not just a have or a have not scenario some players get it and some players don't if the players that if you have a player that doesn't get it out there right now or doesn't click it can be improved. It is a skill that can be rewired. Uh, the mental conditioning and the way we show up doesn't mean we're wired perfectly when, when we arrive on campus, right? There are these, there are things that can help your player um, 
really stand out, make an impact, be a difference maker, be confident uh, with their skill set in whatever situation uh, that is thrown in front of them. So that's all I got here for uh, for playoff time and tryouts. Uh, again, if you uh, are interested in participating in Up My Hockey program, uh, the Peak Potential Project uh, is starting again on April the 3rd. So that's almost in about four weeks from now. Uh, it's my guided mission. We'll be running again. Uh, you can check that out on uh, upmyhockey.com uh, under services for Peak Potential and fill out that interest form. I'll see if your player is a good candidate to take the program. And um, we'll give you an email back if I think he is or she is. And uh, we'll go from there. But uh, definitely don't feel like your player should just have to figure it out or they don't have what it takes to show up uh, when the moment is big. Uh, they definitely can. They just need some support to do it. So reflections on the first 100. Uh, this, this group here, 41 through 50, is tight. Like this is a big group and these are great interviews. Uh, so far, I haven't looked ahead, but if I was to pick, listen to 10 in a row, uh, if I had to pick 10 in a row, the, this, this would be it. Um, like we have Jerome Ginla at 41, first ballot Hall of Famer. Dane Jackson was a great interview. Derek Ryan, current Edmonton Oiler player and former Spokane Chief. David Quinn was the head coach of the New York Rangers at the time and now head coach of the San Jose Sharks. Willie O'Ree, uh, the first black hockey player to ever play in the NHL. What an honor that was. Rick Vive, at the time the only 50 goal scorer ever to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, Tyler Wright, director of player personnel for the Edmonton Oilers, uh, responsible for the amateur draft. Unbelievable interview. Uh, Terry Ryan, a good friend of mine uh, that has his own podcast and is uh, in that new show now on uh, the hockey show. God, I'm drawing a blank on it right now. Anyways, he has... Uh, he has his own podcast. He's a funny man. He's a, a former first rounder of the Montreal Canadiens. And then Rhett Warner, a 700-game NHLer, started my career with him in Florida. And then Ryan Johnson, Vancouver Canucks, a current assistant general manager. There's some big names there, and uh, and some really really impactful interviews. I mean, if you're if you are a new to the Up My Hockey podcast. And if you enjoy what the Up My Hockey podcast provides as far as insights, as far as, um, you know, tips, strategies, perspectives that can help your kid or can help you get better, my goodness, this this is wild. Um, Jerome, how can I not? I mean, Jerome Aginla, uh who was my teammate on the world junior team back in 96 and an adversary uh with the Kamloops Blazers throughout my four years in Spokane uh was a great interview I mean he has hockey players himself now he is coach he's in the coaching realm now uh so he's seen the game from his you know 1000 plus point career and uh as an NHLer and Olympian and and all the stuff that Jerome accomplished and now he's providing what that looks like and what that feels like from a hockey dad perspective to allow his players 
um, and he has three hockey players: his daughter and his and his two sons that are that are all fantastic players. And and like how to develop them and how to give them the best opportunity to, to be to be their best. So that that interview was fantastic. Uh, it actually has the most downloads, uh, I guess, not surprisingly, of, of all my of all my episodes. So if you haven't heard that one, that's uh, that's fantastic. Uh, the next one, I mean, I'm a big fan of Dane Jackson and just what he was as a player and what he was as a leader and a human being in the locker room, like a guy that always had the captain on his on his jersey and um, and multiple stories of guys who played with him of what an impact he made on them um, from a human perspective, right? Like allowing them to either grow their game or figure out what it means to be a pro as, as the from the example he said excuse me um so lots of lots of great takeaways from there he's also like right now the assistant coach at uh north uh oh my gosh drawing a blank again uh green team north dakota sorry there north dakota so if you are uh, interested in north dakota or if you're interested in a d1 scholarship type scenario and you're a junior a player a fantastic interview for you to listen to uh derek ryan my goodness if you don't know the derek ryan story like i'm not even going to tell you anything else about it you need to listen to this story like talk about a long crazy road to the nhl and the the what he did along the way like note to self dominate where you're at and if you're not dominating where you're at then don't complain about the level you're at that's essentially the 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 strategy that derek ryan followed to become an nhler at i think 30 years old and now he's still in the league and still being productive crazy crazy story awesome journey that he was on so many good messages in that um which brings us to episode 44 and david quinn and this has to be i mean a top three for me top four he was well derek ryan was somebody that i didn't know well mind you dane jackson really was somebody i didn't know as well so there was three four interviews actually wow five interviews in a row during that time that i didn't have any type of relationship with the player or the inter the, the podcast guest personally so you know obviously I, I mean i guess you guys know i have a pretty extensive network from being involved in the game for so long and then even in the the hockey area that i live in there's a lot of players that i either played with or for or coaches that i played with or for and uh so for me to have uh, an email or a phone number and and call up a an old teammate or a buddy i mean that would be a, considered a warm contact right like those are very easy guests to get on you know it's it's not hard you don't have to chase them down they'll usually do a a buddy a favor but when you come into people that you don't know um it makes it a little bit more interesting right you have to have a connection or somebody like the reason for them to trust you and, and want to uh and want to work with you and for me to get david quinn who is the head coach of the new york rangers at the time uh that was through david oliver forever grateful for that david oliver was working with david quinn at the time as the assistant coach for the rangers um but he graciously i mean uh, ollie dave oliver was like hey quinner would you be interested in doing this and obviously david quinn could have said no he was the head coach of the new york rangers and there was a lot of things on his plate uh but we made it work and uh and not only did he come on and share his time with me but he shared like an hour and a half with me and i had people from the media world in new york with the rangers at the time that would reach out to me on social media and tell and say how did you do that like one that was the best interview we've ever heard with him and it was by far the longest interview we've ever heard with him like what did you do and um 
it was super crazy, right? Like that was uh, m- multiple messages like that uh, from like a media empire there in New York, and the, and the Rangers are obviously huge, and and so for that to be reflected back to me on something that I did it was was quite uh, I don't know it was it was an interesting feeling because I didn't do anything. I mean, I, I got him on the podcast, and then the conversation was just the conversation as as I just try to be interested and I try to be curious and I and I try to have a good discussion out there and and David Quinn was a very willing partner and and I think I think the key to the whole thing was I think we we both David and I both enjoyed the conversation so it was an easy one to have and um and David just drops like absolute gold throughout this entire interview like he is one hell of a coach uh, I got that vibe the whole time I was talking with him. I think anyone that has a chance to play with him or for him is is probably in a pretty special spot. And I think you can even look back on sort of what he's done as a coach. You know, like he was let go in New York and kind of inside hockey. There's a lot of people on inside like the industry that had no idea why uh, he, he was fired. I kind of the sentiment was he couldn't coach star players. Uh, is is sort of what what I heard, but the interesting thing with that is like Panarin had the best season of his life, and I think should have won the Hart Trophy when he was there. Um, Adam Fox won the Norris Trophy. Uh, Kreider was just starting to emerge and having the, a career year until the year he had last year. But I mean, it seemed like uh, Quinn was able to get the most out of him, and Zabanajad just came to life un- under under him. And uh, well, I guess not to mention Shesterkin, but I think he was kind of great before he got there, but. You know, there was this pedigree of like having these star players play excellent and bringing that what was like one of the youngest teams at the time into this playoff uh, type of discussion, which no one thought they would be. Uh, but anyways, you know, Drury came in and, and uh, moved on from Quinn and brought in who he thought was his own guy. And, and they're obviously having a successful season now. But, you know, to to, uh, to the scenario that David Quinn can't coach stars, I mean, now here he is in, in San Jose. And what just happened to Eric Carlson? Like... I haven't heard anyone talk that David Quinn could be the reason for this. And, and I don't know any other reason that it could be. There's no special year in his contract. It's not like he's been trying to overcome injuries and now he's all of a sudden healthy. I think that David Quinn got inside there and actually coached this guy and challenged this guy and connected with this player like nobody has yet and got him back to Norris Trophy form. Um, a, a stellar year here by Eric Carlson uh, with David Quinn at the helm so uh if you haven't heard the david quinn first round uh first round player himself and head coach now of two nhl teams that interview i think is is absolutely fantastic so check out the david quinn interview uh willie o'ree again was an honor there was a challenge there with some technical uh, difficulties he wasn't able to get on zoom like mr o'ree is is uh, is an older gentleman and technology isn't really his his friend so we had, we had a phone conversation and there was a little bit of a delay so that i mean it wasn't the most robust interview but uh his story if you are unfamiliar with it is so worthwhile listening to like what that man went through his mindset about what his challenges were like to overcome and to play um the I mean, one eye blind that nobody knew about uh you like you gotta it, it's it's you'd think he was making it up like it's it's so movie worthy that i can't believe it hasn't been made into a movie yet uh, but uh, yeah, what a, what an honor to be able to speak with him. Uh, Rick Vive was a coach and a heck of a player. He was a good interview, and then um, 
Tyler Wright and Ryan Johnson, like both, like to get people on the podcast that are in these very influential positions. Um, in both cases, like they're decision makers on who gets to play and move on to the NHL. You know, one, who gets drafted, and then two, how do we develop these players to become NHL ready? And how do we, and when do we give them the check mark that yes, they are, and endorse them and even promote them to, to the NHL group? So, um, Ryan and uh, Ryan Johnson and, and Tyler Wright, both in their own positions there. Tyler, as the director of uh, scouting uh, for the Edmonton Oilers. I mean, if you're a young player out there and you want to get noticed and you want to understand how the process works and what they're looking for and, and how Tyler Wright um, assesses talent and assesses character and how important both of those pieces are in the puzzle, then listen to it. Listen to it and absorb it and sponge it up and use it to your advantage because a lot of this stuff, like a lot of these interviews is stuff that me as a player my era had absolutely no idea about you know really like the inner workings like the the intangibles right the intangibles of being a player we didn't know that it was even important we didn't know that there was things that i could do from intentionality standpoint to like get better at them uh for me personally it was yeah i wanted to work hard but i was i was worried about scoring goals and getting points and that was the end of it you know that was that was what I wanted to do, and if I didn't have a successful game on the on the score sheet, I thought it wasn't a successful game, and I was not educated enough and not mature enough to understand that at the WHL level, the junior level, is that consistency doesn't necessarily have much to do with points, but it has how you approach the game, and that there might be a scout in that stands for the first time. This could be the first time that they're watching and you might have been on a goal run for the last three, four, five games, but he shows up on a Saturday night in Seattle and you lay an egg because you were playing pretty, you were feeling pretty good about yourself and about what was going on and you got comfortable and all of a sudden you go out there and you're not hitting anyone and your intensity isn't quite where it needs to be and, and you feel like, oh, well, you know, I've been on a good strike. Like that guy, that scout now leaves with an impression of you leaves with an impression of you that isn't a positive one and now you have to climb up the ladder to figure that out again so just the i mean there's so many little nuances there of listening to these discussions that allow yourself as a player to understand how important consistency is how, how important the details of the game are how important your intangibles are as a player and not just the skill set and not just how fast you skate or how hard you shoot so um really great stuff in in this uh, in this group of 10 uh some real heavy hitters and uh and a really good place to start if uh if you haven't heard any of those so uh thanks again for joining in here with the bonus episode uh hope you're enjoying these and hope they're giving you a little bit of uh you know a compass a compass point to uh to send you backwards in time and to revisit maybe an episode or two that you haven't uh that you haven't uh had a chance to to listen to yet so definitely bookmark those ones or download them and uh, put them on your on your playlist for for future and uh, i look forward to joining you next week for the next group of 10 till then play hard keep your head up